We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, another Oscar race checkpoint taking you around the news that's happening all throughout the industry. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Yeah, an Oscar race checkpoint today that is fully loaded. We'll talk about the Tony winners later in the episode, the DGA deal, and a lot of industry stories. Uh, I'll have some quickie reviews throughout, like the box office. I'll talk about Transformers and Boogeyman. I watched a bunch of TV movies, Mike, including reality, so we can talk about that category. Ah, I should have. I was going to watch that, but I watched something from the 50s instead that I'll tell you about. You've been really going back. (laughs) I love this new Mike. I love this Mike going back into Hollywood history. This has been fun. Uh, I have one good one and one... Bad one. <laughs> is the bad one like a cherished gem? Throughout? No, no, okay. it's not. It's okay. not at all, thankfully. The <laughs> oh, cherished gem it. is good. Okay, the cherished gem was good. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. I got some <laughs> things to say. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to tease some reviews that I, we're going to tackle in, in, in more fully in upcoming episodes. I did see Elemental at Tribeca, the premiere there, and then Past Lives. I had to catch it while I was in New York, Michael. So I'm in betwixt. Tribeca screenings right now. We're recording yep. this right before I I head out for a double feature. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, we got Poor Things trailer and, and and resolutions in the industry to talk about. We got to go. I mean, this is huge news yeah. right here. Right up against the deadline because you got to catch a train. So it was nice of Hollywood to just dump every story about every facet of their corners of their industry in for yeah. the last three days. Here. I got to catch a train so that I can go eat a burger with a friend of the show, <laughs> Scott Yeager. So shout out to Scott. <laughs> uh, we'll start with the Golden Globes here, which have been sold. Dick Clark Productions and Eldridge Holding Company purchase all assets of the Golden Globes. They will run the Globes now as a for-profit entity, and the HFPA is no more in terms of ownership. What a long, strange, most, mostly racist, <laughs> mostly insulting journey it's been mm. for the HFPA and the Golden Globes. Uh, the Globes, as we've known them since their inception in 1943, those are officially no more. I'll hold for applause. <laughs> So the much maligned HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which has owned and operated the Golden Globes and the award show, is no longer the entity behind Hollywood's Drunkest Night. Dick Clark Productions and their owners of Penske Media Group have acquired all the assets, rights, and proprieties, and even some of the Globes of the HFPA's longstanding personnel as current HFPA president, Helen Hone. Hone? Hone. Bassinger. Basinger. Well, she's going to Dick Clark Productions as well as part of this a- acquisition uh, as it is. Mm-hmm. Now, for their part, this is via The Hollywood Reporter, Dick Clark Productions and Penske have cited they came out and said that they wish to continue the HFPA's tradition of charitable giving. That's good. And furthermore, this does provide the award show itself with a, a chance to start over with a clean slate. It's a chance to write down hard and fast rules for members and voters, a chance to divest itself of its murky past in the hopes of finding a new broadcast partner for the show, and a chance for transparent accountability. And, Michael, we all know how well and how much private entities and corporations love and embrace a chance to be totally transparent in America. Always, always, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is definitely going to happen, and I'm going to go into the... <laughs> complex reasons why uh based on the ownership and and the the new ownership in particular yeah 
no doubt this will be as clean as tinted glass. Uh, as far as the on-screen product goes, not much is likely to change. That's again from the trades. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a history between the Golden Globe show and Dick Clark Productions, there was actually a kind of a big court battle between the HFPA and Dick Clark Productions over which entity there had final say on both the show itself and which network it would go into after negotiations. But, I mean, that was in 2014, I think that got settled. And if anything, that just shows you how far back these two entities have been intertwined anyway. Dick Clark Productions has been producing the show of the Golden Globes for decades, dating back to 1993 when the Globes last returned to broadcast television. Yeah, so this is high 20s, if not 30 years, where Dick Clark mm-hmm. Productions has been making uh, the Golden Globes and putting it on. Now, they've been doing that for the HFPA, even though they've been arguing about creative control. That's yes. fine. We have seen the HFPA sell itself to Eldridge and the CEO, Todd Bowley, right? Going to sell myself to and myself. Guess yes. who owns Dick Clark Productions? <laughs> Todd Bowley, the same guy. Oh, the, Todd. The second doing? time they've sold themselves to themselves. I'm sure these were intense negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Like, this story is bizarre, but it does take the F- oh, God, the F-U-H-F-P-A... <laughs> Out of this. It does take yeah. them out of this. They're out of the equation. They will. The, like the funniest part of this is like they will stay in business as a uh, as a, a charitable organization. Yeah, yeah. great. Okay. They're, they're going to churn out the local, the, you know, that, that newspaper you find in those stand the stanchions that you can yeah. just open up and take a free copy of. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, again, in an effort of transparency, uh, the HFPA has sold itself. Uh, to a person who then <laughs> sold it, itself to him, himself to make it a private right. for-profit company, and then he sold that private for-profit company to himself again uh, yeah. to just basically control the hell out of it and, and box out who sold him the company. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I also wonder what – I mean, there was some weird language in the trades about, like, this was an acquisition. They, they may have purchased it. I, like, there was no money changing hands. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm guessing that. I have no idea if there was actually money that changed hands in this acquisition. Uh, I don't know. All I know is that the, the producer of the Golden Globes is still the producer of the Golden Globes. Right. They've also been the you know one of the biggest producers of, of, of award shows, especially music award shows, the Academy of Country Music Awards, the American Music Awards, the Billboard Music Awards. They now host the Streamies. Of course, Dick Clark Productions is going to host uh, and produce Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Sequest. Sequest or Sequest? Sequest. These are mouthfuls. That's the video game words. version. Yeah. And uh, look, this is the most incestual deal ever and but it's over i mean the dark reign of the hfpa is over and now we have this uh clearly transparent company, uh dealing with it i i mean look it is even if it is just a formality more than anything i guess there is the opportunity here to say like it's a new beginning for the golden globes and they can't they they are starting kind of from scratch with their voting body i hope i mean we're going to see what like the membership rules they, are and things like that i mean scott feinberg in the piece wrote that you know and quoted people to say that it's st- they still want an international voting body so that seems to be something that's going to continue but Without the Hollywood Foreign Press Association right. name to it, you know, can't you see this in ten years just being a, a bunch of crit? Like, what's wh- who's going to be voting for the Golden Globes in ten years? That is by my biggest question here. 
Yeah, I didn't even have that thought enter my head. That's a great point. Like, <laughs> the producers Ooh. of a good television show? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, the Golden Globes and questions therein. Like, the Academy owns the Academy Awards. They're, you know, they're, right. Uh, again, right. the HFPA used to. And we to know own. who the Academy is. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I would assume, like, you know, I, now having not dove into, uh, dive, dove, divin, gone into the, the, background of who votes for you know the the country music awards the billboard music awards are those academy members are those like a group is that a guild i, I don't i don't know the hashtag film twitters golden globes <laughs> the 109th golden globes hosted by mike mike and oscar yeah and we'll have a third yeah. co-host by then named oscar and and and, oscar and, and they'll use a pseudonym if not <laughs> we should be on the lookout if you're or if your name is oscar and you can speak better than either of us which is i mean in my case it's, it's not low saying bar. much low bar it's a low bar you know, come, you know let us know kidnap some poor guy named oscar walking down the street <laughs> <laughs> you want to host an award show kid all right let's get into the this this make the case this amc a list uh, review you have a, a litany of titles that have just come out that you have been seeing. We're going to roll a box office update into the, into here as well. Uh, start us off, Michael, with Past Lives. Give us a taste. Yeah, I, I've been going to Tribeca. I saw seven movies over the weekend, two days there, and I had to start that out with squeezing in a screening of Past Lives. So I'll only tease this here because I think we're going to review this the yeah. end of next week, so I just want to lay the groundwork. Past Lives as a story was very relatable to me, and I'm guessing it's relatable to many. We've kind of, in the pre, pre-show today, talked about living the same past. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, I, I imagine a lot of people are like that, right? Right. And, and that's my hope here, and, and I wonder if there's a line of demarcation for people who did not live that life and, and have a, a long-lost uh, connection in a way. And this, this movie's about wondering and examining what could have been what should have been or or whatnot and it's a beautiful framing to it so i got i got a lot of positive things to say about past lives i hope you like it i'll be very 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 sad if you don't i could see how you might not though michael so Mm -hmm. i'm a little worried i'll just say that i'll leave it vague but there's also like this added uh and deepening uh level of experience here with the immigrant story about uh, immigrants right. from South Korea going to Toronto and and, and that whole world that uh, I was really blessed to learn about in past lives. So, look, I, I did a little bit of research that should frame our Oscars discussion. Only about uh, 40% is in English, I would say. So you would think oh, wow. the you know, the the non-English language requirement was in play. However, Past Lives is not a Korean production at all. It's an American production. So this movie, like Triangle of Sadness, is probably not going to be eligible in international feature. And it's going to be, right? I mean, it's going to be a a best picture and, and, you know, script, director. And and then I would say uh, a couple of production values uh, should contend as well. Cinematography and Hmm. score bowled me over quite a bit i was very uh and and the score had a light touch and yet it still kind of moved me so michael it's doing great box office right now past lives uh 20k per theater it expanded from four to 26 theaters that is one of the strongest 
uh, platforms Great. thus far that we've seen since the pandemic. Everything Everywhere had a similarly strong platform. So a lot of comparisons because they're both A24 properties. They're both a- Asian-American properties. And yet uh, could not be more different in terms of storytelling. But sure, that is a, that is a trend. And that's a refreshing, beautiful trend if, if small movies like this can do, make some money. I am expecting to be like huddled in the corner of a theater as the only person in there, just sobbing vigorously. So I, I'm prepared for that. I was dead inside this whole movie. I, I, I mean, look, it made me, it made me think about a lot of heavy things, but I did not come close to crying. So maybe I'll, I'll rewatch it and it'll hit me like a ton of bricks, or, or maybe you sobbing on my arm will <laughs> have an effect and I'll lose it. But I, I don't know. All right. Uh, well, we go from one love story to one you want it to be more of a love story, intimately and carnally. Yes, I've been worried about Elemental for pervert reasons. Um, <laughs> just a bad person. Yes, I said what I said in our uh, episode with Swell Entertainment. You wanted this to be a porn, and it's not a porn, and you're taking points off. They it's not a porn. pushed the metaphor too far, and thereby pushed me too far. They pushed me into the pervert zone on this. Because this entire movie is about these two characters having sex. That's what this entire movie is about. And I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, it's true. It's they, it's ridiculous how this movie is about their, their sex lives. And yet, it does not work as a rom-com. Now, Elemental still works as a film. I was surprised uh, to, to, to watch that. It works because there's a one adorable you know water wind fire joke after another they're they're very cute they're very corny the mm-hmm. the animation is next level like i am despondent that the little mermaid couldn't get some of the animators from pixar <laughs> to do the water effects cuz the the little mermaid's water effects were awful looked like mm. cartoon nonsense and this looked like real water and this looked like real fire and pixar is just on the cutting edge of the animation uh, yet again here, but like, you know, elemental works most as an immigrant story, as a family story. And that's, that's what really made a lot of people in there emotional. And and it made me emotional too. So I am bitter and angry that I was right about the metaphor, not working and being stretched too thin. And thereby I was, I was probably you watching when Harry met Sally, Michael yelling at this, (laughs) like screaming inside, yeah. At this movie, because the rom-com didn't work for me. I'm like, why does she like him? I hate him. Yeah. I can't stand him. Yeah. Why does she that's like a, him? That's a tough obstacle to get over when you're stuck in that, uh, when you're watching a rom That's why I try to avoid most rom-coms, honestly. So, like, I hate yeah. these people. So show them have sex, or what are we doing? <laughs> Pixar. <laughs> Cowards! Walt Disney Pictures. Uh, how does it stack up to Spider-Verse? Uh, it's not in the same ballpark for me. Not in grades. No. I mean, look, I, I gave this movie a B, Elemental, a B, uh, solid B, eighty three. You know, B minus somewhere in there. It's, like, it, what what works really works, and what doesn't is pr- more of a me problem than anything else. I would say. I, I think you could watch this and be perfectly delighted if you if, and you don't seem to have the same scientific misgivings that I do. <laughs> Uh, was there a, uh, this was Tribeca, right? Was there a standing ovation? There was a standing ovation. Now the Tribeca standing ovations last typically thirty to forty seconds if the if okay. they like the movie. It's because we're East Coasters and we have things to fucking do. Yeah, <laughs> and that feels long. Like when I, when I, I like I'm on my watch. I, I do. I you know I'm on my cell phone watch. 
if you're sitting next to me with a guy with a cell phone open and a timer clearly on, that's me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a short Italian guy. I look like Turtle from <laughs> Turtle from Entourage. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sitting there timing it, and it's like 37 seconds or whatever. It's Good, whatever. Perfect. So, yeah, but, but that's every one of them, and that's and I'm yeah. happy for that. And that's enough. That's plenty. That's how it should be. Like the longest standing ovation should be like. A minute ten. <laughs> that should be the record. <laughs> that would be hard on me. That would be hard on me to deal with. But uh, I did like Elemental, and I'm sure I'm just an a hole here uh, because most people, most people in that audience, absolutely loved it. And people brought their kids. A lot of the, you know, the filmmakers were there throughout Tribeca. I'll talk about it with Scott next week. And you know, the, it really is a beautiful place to watch a movie at the uh, at the BMCC. But Michael, you actually saw one of my favorites on the year thus far, Blackberry. I'm wondering yeah. how you took it in. I'm hoping you I, loved it. Yeah, I did. I, Good. I, I'm, I'm, it's a solid B for me, 84, 85. I don't understand how Glenn Howerton had a voice. I mean, all he does, and I don't know how you like this movie. If you thought, I mean, this is just, this is just, maybe because you're used to Dennis from Sonny screaming all the time, but this is just two hours of Glenn Howerton screaming. I'm used to him, and I, I watched him in the first two episodes of It's Always Sunny, the new season. He's still uh-huh. screaming. Yeah, he's still Yeah, all right. So you, you were, you're, you were not, you're less offended by it. It's not new noise to your ears. You That's have a right. decade and a half of, okay, that I'm a hypocrite sense, is what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought it was, it's a great, like, business story. You know, it's one of those, you know, the rise and fall of yeah. business from the inside, and I thought it was a, a really unique look. That, that guy that Howerton plays, is a dick. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. Uh, I, I it's just a really good watch. I don't know that it'll be nominated for anything. I would tend to doubt it. Obviously, uh, it doesn't seem to have much momentum right now after being uh, released a couple months ago. But, didn't make any money, did it? Yeah. So uh, you know, I, but it's just a fun watch. I think it's like eight bucks right now on a PVOD. I don't have like a, a, a grand review for it. I'm just happy I watched it. It kept my attention, and I was glad I saw it. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad you liked it. And I, yeah, I would encourage people to watch it for that seven, eight bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's that's worth that's worth your night. Maybe is it a Friday night movie? I don't know, but it's you know, if you're you know what, if you're cynical jer- jerks like you and I, it's a great yeah. Friday night movie. It's our favorite Absolutely. Friday night movie. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, Michael, here uh, you you read some box office. I'll review a few of these movies. Thank you. Yeah, the next movie you're going to talk about is Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and that's uh, leading the box office this past week. And it opened to a 60.5 domestic opening, 60 and a half million dollars. It's done about 110 internationally. So the grand opening is 170 million worldwide for its box office, including 40 million of that coming from China. I'm too old for this shit, Michael. I'm too old for it. That's what happened. That mantra went through my head, went through my brain for this entire Transformers runtime. I I just felt like the nostalgia was all gone. Michael Bay, Michael Bay did out of me. That's the point I was trying to make to you the last time we talked about this. It's the same Optimus Prime voice. It's the same animation and VFX. We've been doing this for two decades now. This movie is superior, in my opinion. Like Again, in terms of story, in terms of structure, in terms of uh, flow and editing, uh, maybe not VFX, but this movie's superior storytelling. And it's obviously a strong version of this, but I just cannot get into any longer. Uh, the good robots, uh, the bad robots, <laughs> and they have to get a key, so they have humans involved, and the key is bit. Who gives a shit? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anthony Ramos, who's doing a beautiful, he's doing God's work. 
<laughs> he really is. I I love him. He's good in this movie. So good. is Dominique Fishback. And this movie has an improved use of humans until like Ramos just gives a speech like, of course I gotta save the world because I I love the world and <laughs> like it's the dumbest. Makes one of us, Tony. Oh my god, I, it's gotta be me. Of course, it's gotta be you, guy. Just random guy. You have take to take that the key world. and I'd fire it into the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the robots are also hilariously dumb in this. I don't remember. Like, I probably stopped watching the Transformers movies. I don't know. I don't think I watched the last two or three. I watched Bumble. Did you watch the Did you watch the Wahlberg one? <sighs> I can't remember. I might have stopped. Okay. But the I don't remember the robots being this hilariously dumb. Like, when these robots make plans, these plans immediately blow up in their faces. And I'm make that made me happy. So it's like, I hate watch this. I like the hate watch. I don't know how to review this other than I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> well, uh, you and everyone else who are too old for it the, the, the brought it to a respectable box office, at least. And I mean, a $60 million opening is nothing to snub your nose at, certainly. And it did beat out Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which was number two at the box office this week. It brings in another 55.4. Uh, it's it's up to, what, $390 million worldwide? It surpassed the first Spider-Verse film in just 12 days. Uh Decent job for an animated film there from Sony. Yeah, all of this is holding really well, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting for so- Sony. The summer of uh, animation uh, follows the spring of animation, and Spider Verse. Like I said, I mean, what do you think this winds up with? Seven, eight hundred million? Yeah, I think it could sniff a billion. Wow, that's that's just incredible, and it's and it's happening because the movie's quality. It's word of mouth. Like my mother and brother, my brother wanted to see it again. Took my mother to see it. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, the other night, and they both really loved it again. So, I mean, uh, he loved it again, and, and she loved it for the first time. Did, so that's cool. Did they love it enough for to pass your threshold where you didn't berate them verbally? Listen, my mother agreed the first. <laughs> she she talked to me and, and was like, I agree with Mike. I think the movie's a little full in the middle. And she, wow! Like, I just had to really avoid that again. No, <laughs> and so I beat my mother. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way. So she's wrong, and I'll never speak to her again. But fair I mean, enough. Well, that's that makes sense to me. That what's happening now, though? Anyway, <laughs> the Little Mermaid added about another twenty-three million. It was third. Nice to see third on the weekend box office. Still be well over twenty million there. Uh, Guardians three added seven million, and then just falling short of Guardians three seven million was the Boogeyman, which you also have a review for that finished fifth at the box office with uh, 6.9 million nice yeah <laughs> the boogeyman is about a monster that hides in darkness who attacks a family without flashlights and <laughs> you would think this is like the level of dumbness that i would just turn on mm-hmm. because like she turns on her cell phone flashlight at the very end of the movie and i almost like i i wanted to storm out out of protest because that was like the dumbest thing i ever heard but it's stephen king and it's just infuriating how satisfying boogeyman really was and it's fun to watch like you have oh, this good creepy hor- horrifying backstory plays out you're in this weird nether world of boogie people whatever boogie things the boogies the boogers the wood boogers the which books. is also a name for bo- bigfoots but this is not about <laughs> okay. bigfoots unfortunately uh right. and the scare sequences the they, they really work. They're unique. The the finale delivers. Like, there's oblique jump scares. There's bizarre characters that keep showing up. Das Malkian and, and that whole family. Like, 
I, I'm in, and the and the Yellow Jackets actress, uh, forgive me, I forgot her name, but the Chris Messina, and I, I really thought this was well acted, well well executed for just like a you know a horror movie that uh, you could see over the summer that that should make back its budget and then some. I mean, The Boogeyman to me was a satisfying horror movie. Uh, does it hold up to like say what was the one last year that made uh, the Justin Long one last year? Everyone went gaga. No, over. Barbarian. I don't think no Barbarian, Barbarian. is. Uh, I love Barbarian for its story structure. I loved it for the Mr. X. I loved it for, you know, how it uh, just really bowled us over. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, it's it. There's a creature. You you know. I mean, I'm not. Spo- there's right. a creature, Mike. I mean, right. it's a fucking creature. It's a boogeyman. <laughs> it's. Don't think. Don't think this is a twist thing. Uh, you know. Yarn here. Uh, you put a Richard Nixon mask on a pig and let it loose. <laughs> this is about. Chud, you ever see the movie Chud? Well, Chud was a fucking creature too. Why am I? Why am I? You know, half spoiling these movies, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, whatever. It's a monster movie. It, it works as a monster movie. I'm happy for it. I don't think you're spoiling Chud, <laughs> which I just watched like a month ago. I forgot to tell you. Oh, did you? Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know why I, I watched it? Because it was amongst the VHS at the beginning of Us. Of Us, yeah. Jordan yeah. Peele's Us. That's right. why I watched Chud. <laughs> How does it compare to Flame and Hot? Why did you watch this movie? This movie was good, but it, stop it. I don't know if it's real. Like the internet is in two camps on Flame and Hot. Like this is true and this is not true at all. And then this guy's lying and Cheetos is you know or, or Pepsi is is you know is mad at him because he worked for them for fifty years and then he retires and tells this grandiose story about himself to filmmakers who make this movie about him. But then there's like this really obvious possibility that, oh, hey, they don't want to pay him for any of this credit and they don't want to <laughs> give the credit to the Latino community and, and, and him as a as a marketer to that community. And this is appropriation in, 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 a, in a huge way. So I don't know what to believe. I certainly leaning towards the fact that he's telling the truth here. And it's a huh. funny story. It's these are well developed characters. These are rounded characters. I, I thought Flame and Hot moved really well. It's got all the fun, too, you know, too good to be true, too fun to be true, true story stuff in here. That makes, I guess, in that respect, if you're cynical, you may wait. Did this really happen? But I, I guess I have a doubt. But I'm impressionable. I, I like stories like this. Flame and Hot work for me. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised by some of the negative reviews out there. What's the grade for that? Yeah, I think it's a a B minus. It's an easy B minus, no question. Huh. All right, Mike. I watched the amazing Maurice. This was BAFTA nominated as an animated feature. This is a cat who's friends with a bunch of rats. <laughs> and the rats you had a rough week, huh? The rats control a lot of people. They have sorcerer powers. What? What the hell did I watch? Why? Why? No, this is what happens. Come across you. This is because it's on Hulu and it's on my lists. I make all the lists and I have to watch everything (laughs) on my lists. And here, this beautiful animation and a BAFTA nominated animated feature that may contend for this year's Oscars because it's eligible for this year's Oscars, right? Well, I don't know what to make of this movie. It was just nuts. It was ridiculous. The cat befriends the rats. The rats are controlling. There's good rats, there's bad rats. What the hell did I watch? It's good rats. There's bad rats. I never wanted to be 
like a drug person. I want like this is drug seeking <laughs> behavior. The amazing what? Maurice. I want it to be uh, uh, on on something to watch this. Movie, so like I'm they not. control people through magic, not like Ratatouille. There's like I don't I, like I don't want to give it away and spoil another movie here. You can you can give it away. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like this piece of uh, I don't know rope that's in charge. What's the piece of rope? <laughs> what is the piece of rope? Answer me. You did it. You did a decent job of selling Flaming Hot. You did a complete 180 with selling the Amazing Maurice. <laughs> the big reveal is it's a piece of fucking rope. There's a small piece of rope <laughs> behind it all, controlling the rats. What in God's name did I watch? Oh, anyway, Queen Maker. I watched uh, Queen Maker's Hulu yeah. original documentary, The Making of an It Girl. Uh, this is about like New York City socialite culture in the 2000s with the Hilton sisters and Park Avenue peerage. I I gotta say, like this was an immersive documentary. I, I watched that. This sounds last like night. something I would like. I remember a lot of friends talking about this while I was growing up, and I really wasn't focused on i wasn't paying attention it just wasn't me you you guys know from how we cover this we don't really cover the gossip i don't yeah get into that necessarily but watching a documentary that's able to frame it and retrospect and all of the you know stories of the the multiple rises and fall narratives for these characters obviously these subjects i shouldn't call them characters I, it was powerful it was a powerful watch i i really enjoyed it and fascinating and a uh, queen maker on hulu yeah that was is it about somebody like behind it all who like it winds up being about a particular character uh i don't know if i want to give that away but it's about uh, uh anyway i yeah it's I, just I won't... a piece of rope and an overcoat it's not about a piece of rope <laughs> and take overcoat. the overcoat off it's three pieces of rope stacked on top of each other <laughs> you you make jokes and yet people write movies based on what you just said apparently um <laughs> Michael, I watched Reality Stars. I wanted to watch this. I still will. Sydney Sweeney on on Max there, and what an acting talent she is. I'm not that familiar with her. I'm not a Euphoria fan. You would think like you know she gets a, a story like this. It's going to be this big flashy showcase. She's going to show her range, and yet this is like this slowly unraveling, you know, tarnishing the veneer kind of thing, cracking of the veneer kind of performance. I was hooked. She was mesmerizing. She totally sucks you in to wanting to know more about this character. And it she's elusive the entire film, but she really emotes in very subtle ways. And the, the procedural of all this, you know, the killing her with kindness of the FBI people and the, the con like this bizarre story of manners and the comedy of manners of it all is absolutely chilling stuff when you think about it. So Best TV movie category talk here. Reality's become a front runner in a lot of people's minds. I think Prey should win on on Hulu. The mm. uh, the awesome Amber Mid Thunder Predator. I've seen movie. that get a uh, that get advertised, and uh, Hulu or whoever has poured money into putting that out on uh, social media sites for your consideration campaigns. That's a great movie, in my opinion, and that, that's my front runner. Even though I loved hulu's fire island uh we both loved weird the al yankovic story i don't know if you saw do revenge but i really like do revenge on netflix of it i've never i haven't seen the whole thing yet honor society on paramount plus like that would be my five realities just not enough story to make even 83 minutes but she's so 
good. So then what would it be then? I mean, if it's not, you know, if it's not enough for a TV movie, what's the story? You just want the documentary of it? I I don't know. It it feels like an episode to a docuseries. Yeah. But it's I mean, it's 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 watchable. It's totally watchable. I'm 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 hooked for 83 minutes. So maybe I'm full full of it right now. And it absolutely isn't up for a movie because it, it hooked me. But I I walk away feeling like what the hell? I mean, uh, not a lot went down there, but look, I, I think reality is probably the front runner based on the tea leaves, and it's going to bounce out. Prey, Fire Island, Weird, Do Revenge, or Honor Society. Probably Honor Society. Unfortunately, it's just the the smallest movie of the group, even though it's one of the best in my opinion. Interesting. All right, uh, definitely want to check. What, what would you give the grade wise reality anyway? Re- reality is probably a B. Again, a low B, but it's just like. I don't know. B minus. I think I gave it a low B. It's either a B minus, low B. But it's it's not because what I saw I didn't like. It's because I was, I just wanted like another hour. You know, it just wasn't enough story. For I you. wanted more story. I wanted another hour worth of story. I wanted to see every. I wanted to see the fallout. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. And I know I, right. I had to read the Wikipedia page immediately afterwards, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's a wild story. Yeah, definitely a wild story. Please, um, what is this 1950s movie? <laughs> the first the first one was uh, Rio Bravo from 1959. I don't think I've ever seen that. So it's a John Wayne movie. I happened to watch a TikTok where it came across where uh, different celebrities were talking about what they think is their favorite movie. And Tarantino named this as one of his three favorite. Okay. Alongside two others. and I, But it looked like it was an interview from Tarantino from like his Pulp Fiction era. What's so take like, that for what it's what's worth. What's like the, the kernel of the story here? I, I don't know if I've seen it. Uh, it's just a straight up western. It's uh, there's a, a a bad guy's brother is in John Wayne's jail, and the bad guy and his gang are gonna come bust the brother out of jail, and it's up to John Wayne, Dean Martin, and uh, <laughs> uh, who's the other guy? Uh, God, hang on, okay. I have it written down here. Anyway. Ricky Nelson. Okay. To uh, <laughs> to to defend the jail and get rid of the bad guys. It's yeah. a straight up western. That doesn't. But help it's me. like, right? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, sorry. You know, it's it's a John Wayne movie. I don't know how to <laughs> differentiate those at your own risk. Um, the ones where he's not playing uh, Genghis Khan anyway. Right. Oh God. It's a. This is a Howard Hawks movie. Uh, and there's a young Angie Dickinson in this as well. There's not a word spoken in this for the first four minutes and forty four seconds. <laughs> so it's. You know, it's it's got some innovation, especially for a, a 1950s talkie there. Good. But it also, in that 444, has, like, the most casual murder in any movie ever. <laughs> a guy is just shot and killed out of nowhere, and nobody reacts. Cool. It's great. <laughs> Best <laughs> but, scene in the movie. Yeah. Like, I'm not a Western guy, necessarily, but I thought this was really good for a Western, and it holds up really well. There's shootouts that make narrative and, like, geometric sense. Now, this was because, John Ford, did you say? Uh, the, uh, this was a uh, Howard Hawks movie. Oh, Howard Hawks. I was going to say, yeah. where was the horizon? But no, yeah. I bundled, <laughs> no, bungled that joke. This, this was definitely shot on a soundstage. I mean, you could tell it was like a studio picture and not like out in the open the open field anywhere. But I didn't mind it. I didn't think it held it back at all. There was really good tension. The shootouts made sense, like I said. Uh, Dean Martin was going hard for some kind of acting recognition. It never comes, because I don't think this movie was nominated for anything. Mm-hmm. But there is a cool musical moment where him and Ricky Nelson, who is a, also a singer, do a couple duets there that make sense within the context of the movie. Uh, and it held up pretty well, as long as you're able to look past the, the fact that a 29-year-old Angie Dickinson is lusting after 52-year-old 
very 52, very weathered John Wayne mm. for parts of it. Wow. But uh, good story. I, I liked it. I enjoyed my watch with it. Um, can't say the same about Detective Story from 1951. Detective Story. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right, go. Yeah. This is a, a, a Kirk Douglas joint, and four-time Oscar nominee. It was nominated for Best Picture. Hmm. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you like this genre, too. We both do. It's that's why I took. That's why I put on the movie. I wanted to see how it met. Like, I went into this being like, okay, I'm going to be able to, to study how, you know, noirs match up then in the time of the actual noir versus how they're portrayed now. And I just could uh, There was nothing in did this Did you for me to get search into. detective mystery? How did you come across this? Because that's typically what I search, and I just click on, I click on anything and watch it. So what I've been doing is, uh, because I did, like, East of Eden and On the Waterfront and that type of stuff, like, I've just been, like, looking back at past Oscar classes. Mm. And, you know, whether movie won or didn't, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm just kind of... And then I'll, I'll click on a movie that I haven't heard of, I'll read about it, and then maybe I'll go down a rabbit hole and find a different, you know, movie off that branch. But Detective Story is one that I just, you know, I was like, oh, I can actually see, I may be able to learn something about this. Nope. <laughs> wow. So you, All right, so where did this movie fail again for you it just failed on that story level the performance level both it's so cliche mm. i mean it's and i mean it's nobody's fault because it's from the night it's not literally a 1951 movie do you think they but invented every, the cliche or do you think right that? it might have been that, that actually might have been like <laughs> kirk douglas plays the hard-nosed detective and he's like you know uh <laughs> like, so the stance is there's a bad guy in jail and the defense attorney comes to talk to Detective Kirk Douglas and Detective Douglas is like, oh, I remember your client. I had him here last year. And the detective, the defense attorney goes, yeah, but he was acquitted of those murders. And Douglas's entire stance is, I don't care that he was acquitted because of insufficient evidence. He's guilty and I'm going to kill him. (laughs) And he's the cop. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, so it does not it does not play well in 2023. Mm. So that's where it lost me. <laughs> I see, I see, yeah. I do see now. I do see. I'm glad you spelled that out. Well, Detective Story was not on my radar for something you wouldn't like. I, I have not yeah. seen it, and I will not watch it now. I guess, but uh, I uh, I'm I'm loving this mic that's going back to old Oscar classes. This is this is yeah. good. This is good yeah. stuff. All right. Um, we have something there. Yeah. some industry news to go back to. I'm glad we did that as a centerpiece today. That was fun. Uh, look, every male in Hollywood is allegedly <laughs> awful, as you wrote allegedly, here. Allegedly, yes. In Chapter 784 of this is uh, Tanach Huerta, Tanach Huerta uh, a.k.a. MCU's Namor, uh, accused of and denies sex assault allegations, Michael. Yeah. Fun times. All right. Tone it down. And yeah, how do we transition here? But, yeah. Right. Uh, Maria Elena Rios, a Mexican musician and saxophonist who had dated Huerta about a year ago, this is from NBC News, had gone off on Twitter in the last couple days accusing the MCU star of sexually assaulting her, going so far as to label him a sexual predator. Uh, Huerta, for his part, came out yesterday, Monday afternoon, denied all the allegations. He made a statement directly to Variety. Uh, Mike's going to read some quotes from it. Yeah, quote, about a year ago, I dated Elena for several months, Huerta wrote, it was entirely consensual at all times, as countless others can attest. And throughout it, it was loving, uh, warm, and mutually supportive. Uh, After it ended, however, Elena began to misrepresent our interactions both privately and in front of groups of mutual friends, unquote. 
And then later he goes on to say, as a result, a few months ago, I engaged a legal team to commence the appropriate actions to protect my reputation and refute these irresponsible and false accusations that can cause great prejudice and damage, unquote. Uh, and he goes on, although I am no, I am by no means perfect, I know that these allegations are simply untrue. And while I will always work to improve myself, I need to contest claims that are both false and offensive, unquote. All right, so on its face, this seems like the all-too-common case of ex-lovers and the murky waters that happened during the relationship becoming a matter of he said, she said after the fact. Except for Rios, the victim here, Mm -hmm. uh, the one making the allegation, is not only a famous musician, but also an activist and the victim of a horrible uh, incident at the hands of a completely different ex-boyfriend who was also himself a man holding a position of power. Back in 2019, Rios was attacked by now ex-influential politician in Mexico by the name of Juan Manuel Vera Carrizal, who is still behind bars for this attack. He hired men to throw acid on Rios's face, specifically with the intention of ruining her career of playing the saxophone. So, like, look, man, I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like this would be the type of person to just make up claims out of nowhere against the man in a position of power to me. Right. But this, this sucks. I'm, I'm so tired. I'm just tired, man. And obviously it has nothing to do with us and we're the lowest rung on the totem pole and how, you know, it's about the victims and all this. But Jesus, can we do a movie podcast without record, re, like referring to this new hot up and coming star who we think has potential and promise turning out to be a freaking monster allegedly it's it's another awful story it's i mean it is relevant of course because now disney and 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 the mcu in particular has a second case of this in their in their actors uh uh group uh, for for a very particular important brand the most important brand in the industry still certainly financially so i mean this is this was supposed to be the franchise and it was mm-hmm. the franchise that broke for, through at an Oscars level in terms of the Black Panther uh, movies. And we seemingly had a third film where he could come back and we could have a lot of added depth to, to that relationship. Uh, you know, that's, that's But all the pills in comparison to what's going on with the Yeah, it's not going to happen now. They, 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 they can't do that now. I mean, this is... This is bad from a business perspective, of course, but uh, it, it, it's, I mean, if we, I don't know how to take this sometimes. I think you're glad that the courage is on display and somebody speaks out and, and they have to get this correction out there. They have to. It's not just for self-preservation. It's for others. I mean, they're doing it for others. Like like you said, what, what good does it do her in this right. instance to come out? I mean, is this... I don't know. And her tweets were pretty damn. I mean, she was accusing people of covering up for him. I mean, there you had to. I I had to run him through a translator. So, but I mean, you know, she was damning people that were trying to help him and stuff like that. So she was pretty. I mean, she was fairly adamant in a public space talking about a very public figure. Yeah, you're in a courtroom for years, and you're watching more. You know, a, a vast majority of these stories come true. You know, the stories that you hear mm-hmm. as stories, those allegations come true. And you've seen it with your own eyes. And we've seen it in the public space. The problem is the mischaracterization from the Gone Girls to the, good God, the uh, the crucibles of the, of the world and the, the storytelling that's going on for centuries in a patriarchal society where 
you know, the exceptions to the rules are, are made most public, right? And, and, and iconic in many ways right. to where the the quote-unquote woman is lying, the crazy woman, quote-unquote. Uh, but unfortunately, most of these stories prove very true uh, and disgustingly so. So th- that's, again, that's why we take the take we we have here. And, it, and, it's, and it's devastating that we have a, you know, Mexican actor who's trailblazing into big budget Hollywood movie making and, and this is just uh, I can't imagine how how people feel that felt represented by by him yeah. and by the history of this story told by Wakanda forever etc it's just got to be devastating yeah well said I mean never fun to talk about I hate that it comes up so much but uh, we have to talk about it as we always do yeah. on this show and uh, we will try to transition here going back to business and the business side of the industry talking about the latest going on with the uh, guild negotiations and the AMPTP and we ended last episode we talked about how the DGA had struck a deal and there weren't a lot of uh, details about that deal that came out mm-hmm. well as we were literally putting that episode live <laughs> uh, the Hollywood Reporter came out and, with a article detailing all of the details about the new DGA deal so uh, we'll, we can talk about that now and what the DGA did get for themselves in their Directors Guild uh, settlement with the AMPTP uh, there is a 14 page uh, DGA summary of agreement that the Directors Guild sent out to all its members going over every change and separately describing in layman's terms what those changes practical effects will be to the Guild members' personal bottom lines. Um, I didn't dive in too deep. I did look it over. I did go through it a little bit. But between reading indictments for former presidents and contract negotiations and allegations <laughs> of sex assault this week, uh, my uh, my quota for doc review has been over. Why would you read so. all the Trump documents? You just had to read because all the... Because it's a... I mean, it's a yeah. once-in-a-lifetime... It's literally a once-in-a-lifetime event. And, it's, uh, okay. and by the way, that indictment is unlike... I mean, that's an eight-page indictment that has 40 pages plus worth of details attached to it. That is an unbelievable in- job there. Um, all right. Well, hold on. I, I can't yeah. go do they have him really i mean you don't know you, you know you don't know with a guy in that much power you don't know but it's uh that is an indictment like how could you bring <laughs> the how, how can you bring that from allegation to indictment without having him you don't you don't what having you, without I mean, you, having you have him, him you have him holding the smoking gun which they do and it's just a matter of what is any judge going to do what is any jury going to do at this point is that That's, why he said I can make documents unclassified just by speaking it? Speaking it. Is that what he said? I mean, that's been his public stance, except that they have him on tape proving that he knows that's not true, which is the whole issue. Wow. He is he is literally on tape telling people I can't declassify this, and I know I can't declassify it, but I could have when I was president. So I mean, they. <laughs> he's, he's, screwed but it's again it's gonna be it's up to whatever any judge and whatever i mean if you really want to get into it i think they should ship him up to d i mean this is way far afield but they should ship him up to dc and they should have him uh they should have the dc attorney general try to cut a deal for him with the january 6th stuff that they're going to come after him for and try to see if he'll flip on every republican senator and congressperson who was involved in january 6th for a lesser for a lesser uh, charges there but that's just my opinion as an attorney but uh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a, it's not going well in uh, in Tangland. Well, 
in happier thoughts, you have some details <laughs> about the DGA deal. So, anyway, talking about the DGA, not sure how we got off on that tangent. I had to I ask. Just wanted... no, I, I mean, you're my <laughs> siphon. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just wanted to go over some specifics that the DGA did get from the AMPT that I find peculiar. So, this is just a list. It's not a comprehensive list. It's just some things that are highlights in this package here. There's a new pay residual schedule for subscription video on demand services. That's stream like streamers. Services. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, paid for streamers. Got it. There's the first ever standards, including a creative rights and minimums for advertised supported VOD. So like okay. your, uh, your, uh, why can't I think of anything right that's now? That's important. No, the free V and yeah, that's important. Free, yes, but free also, V would be a good example. Obviously a lot of these, uh, major streamers have ad tiers now. Important. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's the first ever parental leave in any negotiation with the AMPTP. That'll be uh, enforced and come into fruition on the third year of this contract. Okay. Uh, there is increased project budgets automatically included to be paid by the studios with money earmarked from member health and pension plans Good. as part of this negotiation. There is a hard and fast ruling that AI is both not a human director nor an entity which can be used by studios without guild members' behest or input. And there are mandated biannual, which means twice a year, meetings between studios and guilds to discuss AI growth. All right, so let me, let me get this straight. So yeah. residuals that should have been there beforehand. Yeah. Basic employment rights like parental leave and pensions. Yeah. And and then the fact that they agree robots are not humans. So, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, covering all the, all the, all the important stuff. We're progressing in Hollywood. <laughs> We're progressing. Uh, there's the first paid post-production days for DGA members for certain subscription video on-demand or pay TV shows, which were never around, I guess, previously. There is an increase in wrap time. There is a decrease in the standard work days time for assistant directors. There's all these good stuff. Now, this is just a smattering and a sampling from of what I can count are 31 changes agreed to by the AMPT that help the DGA members. Uh, I, I think they all benefit DGA members, at least from my quick cursory overview of this. Sure. Now, we know how quickly this deal came together. So my question is, how can studios justifiably now not give in to a multitude of WGA demands without coming out looking like they're just corporate monsters if they don't? Aren't they corporate monsters? Yes. So, <laughs> like, if these, these are basic employment rights, bas basically given to to these directors now because throughout all recorded time this has been treated like a gig economy from the very beginning because this has been you know because well, people directors are, used to be tied to studios so the thinking right. was studios would be you know and then they obviously that broke in the 60s and 70s well, and now directors have been on their own yeah your question here your que because of the fluid nature of the hirings and firings of the, of the business and everybody's working on one project to the next etc a lot of these things fall through the cracks and then the studios don't want to be left holding the bag. And your question prompted me to write like uh, almost three quarters of a page mm -hmm. of one block text about why this organization, the AMPTP, I can never get that across. No, you head. never can. It's very funny. <laughs> it's funny. Just, to you. just say five letters. The studios. And we'll assume it's what you're talking the, about. Yeah, the studios. The, the, the ABCDE. Yeah. The studios, which is really not a, is a misnomer now, but all right, fine. Well, it, no, it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the studios guild, essentially. It's the, uh, what do they call the, the drug cartel? It's the cartel. Yeah. The fat cats. The cartel is ganging up on the guilds. They're fighting fire with 
atomic bombs here. And they're basically, we're trying to figure out why these basic employment rights that most people have in everyday life are not given here. And the fact that they cannot agree to, you know, basic things is, is nuts. And I'm trying to figure out why. And all I could think of, Michael, is just the volatility of the business and the fact that you can be in development hell for decades sometimes with certain projects. And the fact that studios and all these business people who are trying to become more efficient and and, and, and put myself in their shoes, they're trying to cut costs where they can because the, the industry is, yes, it's making money, but it's still recovering from losing a lot of money. And they're trying to figure out new business models that they have not figured out. And they're they're over leveraged and it's and it's a problem because they're making a lot of the wrong macro decisions they're trying to save money with the micro decisions and thereby cut out some of the inefficiencies in the business the problem with that is that a lot of, like a lot of the WGA leadership have said if you sh- shrink writers rooms if you don't pay people for the brainstorm part of the process if you try not to pay and finance all of the necessary trial and error of the creative process if you're trying to avoid footing the bill for that whether that's through writers rooms etc ultimately you're just going to outsource it anyway like if you think about the steven spielbergs and the shonda rhymes and the tyler perry's they Mm. are industries unto themselves they are not sitting there in a writer's room them their own writer's nook or in their homes writing something themselves and then you know bringing it to their people and saying here we're making this no they are they have an industry behind they have a whole company behind them right full of writers and and full of the writers rooms that they need and full of people reading spec scripts and reading shit for them to make and then they will write and rewrite and they have their pe- trusted people that that will do that but the the quote unquote auteurs taking the studio process on themselves and having to finance it and foot the bill and basically pay for all the product projects that don't work that don't make it to the to the green light stage the studios to me and trying to figure this out they're trying to get rid of that responsibility in many ways because they don't want to pay for it anymore and yet and I and I, under, I can understand that and yet they have no choice because the amount of Spielbergs and Shonda Rhimes that exist in the world and Tyler Perry's, they're few and far between. Yeah, you can make a big $200 million deal with this person or that person, and they can bring their organization to you, and, and hopefully that works out. But they're not going to create how you know the 50 projects you need with that organization. They're not. They're just not. And there's so much demand for content right now, it's insane. Because everything's so niche out there, the the audience is so discerning. I mean, you have and you have niche audiences for everything. So this is this is the problem. Like they cannot afford to outsource all this shit. They have no recourse but to keep doing it themselves, and they don't want to do it anymore. It's it seems like they're fighting themselves not to do it anymore, or at least they don't want to pay what it costs right now. That has to be it. Like they'll pay the directors because that's a smaller group, and the directors are the. But it's not that much smaller. It's I a, mean, the DGA is like nineteen thousand compared to the WGA, which is twenty six. The DGA gets stuff done for them at the at the when it's t- when it's nut cutting time, which is again, 
<laughs> one of those sayings in our language that's disgusting, and it's one of many. There's nut cutting time. There's uh, how, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And mm-hmm. you know what I thought of while I was out there on the red Skinning carpets? Cats. No. <laughs> Worse. I was thinking of pressing the flesh. Like, what serial murderer invented these colloquialisms? Ed Gein at his house with a pen, like, licking the pen. I went to the red carpet to press the flesh. Ew! There's more than one way to scoop an eyeball. Oh, God! Anyway, the studios, in my opinion, they can make deals with the number of successful directors because ultimately, I think... They want to shift this storytelling responsibility. They want to shift all that stuff to the directors. Except that they don't when it's when it comes to things that are greenlit. Like, there's always yeah, studio Yeah, but for every overhead. one thing that's greenlit, there's a hundred things that are not. You know, I mean, I'm sure the ratio is bad, and I'm sure that I'm all sure these suits too, are looking but at like, it. Like, but, this is awful. It, it's just it's it's the same thing with they want I mean, their... it's, it's, this is a microcosm of the American economy right. like the one percent is trying to like you know sorry but you have the money <laughs> like, they the want studios their cake. are the ones with the money they want their cake and they want to eat it too they want I'm, I'm all the really profits sorry you have you have tax write-offs and you have like not everything makes a billion dollars but like right. you're in those positions because you have the money it's a volatile business but for every 300 million dollar movie that makes you know less than that at the box office there's also a one million dollar movie that makes 300 million at the box office i mean you you have a really wild business it's the wild wild west and there's volatility on both ends of the spectrum so if you want good content and more importantly if you want a sustainable future for the business going forward the wga has been banging the table like you cannot push us out Number one, with robots and the brainstorming state, you cannot lessen the number of people that can make a living at this. But you also cannot take away the you know the lucrative deals down the line because you're going to get a brain drain in the writing community, and it, and it's going to hurt the product overall. We've seen this. We've seen this covering writer strikes in the past, just based on retrospectives, Michael. When the writers aren't there to shepherd the project, the movies suck. Mm. The, the yeah, TV I mean, sucks. I just, I don't, it just to me seems like we'll take care of the director's branch because we can't outlast them. They can last longer than, than the writers can. We can outweigh the, the writer's branch because the I, writers are going to, they are going to, you know, they're going to crumble from within because they have so many, I mean, it's, it's a really cynical way of looking at it, but it seems like they know the writers. They are banking on the writers not being able to hold out as long. I think because of the position they've put the writers in. <laughs> I just, I just think there's, like, there's a cost of doing business with the writers that they don't want to pay, that they've never wanted to pay, and it's because a lot of things are left on the cutting room floor. I just I I'm trying to get to the bottom of this in my brain and that's that's all I could come up with because the number of auteurs out there true auteurs are few and far between and, and, and there's even a there's even a brain trust and an army between behind a lot of these auteurs nowadays like each one of them's got like Wes Anderson's looked at an auteur but he's got Roman Coppola he's got all his people he's got all the same people he's always worked with like yeah you can make a deal with 
Wes Anderson to come up with a project every few years. But again, that's not going to feed the beast. You have to feed the beast. We are the beast. But this you, is the mark. Like, we, is, aren't, aren't we getting to a point of like content overload? Like, first of all, there's way too many famous people. <laughs> we got to draw back on that. I can't. Sorry, take Jacob Elordi. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry I'm for so, my friend. I'm so You're tired of reading like headlines from like people in Us Weekly and stuff <laughs> that have to do with people I have never heard of. I do not give a shit about most of these people. <laughs> we are two old men. <laughs> <laughs> we're the, I mean, we're what Statler and Waldorf, and the, that's yeah. it. We are them. <laughs> we are them. We need to recreate our logo to where we look like Statler and Waldorf. We're a Muppets. <laughs> we look like those two in the, the balcony. If I have to hear one more goddamn thing about a Vanderpump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I know what that is. Oh, he's a good-looking guy who wants to be famous who cheated on his girlfriend? You don't say. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't want to know what that is. Uh, Michael, uh, Zelda. Zelda's going to become a thing. Universal and Illumination closed the deal on The Legend of Zelda and bringing this to the screen. We did not go out on a limb a few months ago when, you know, before Super Mario's came out to say this was next. Super Mario Brothers as a movie was going to do really well, and we did predict this. Uh, that they would pivot to Zelda next. So this was an obvious maneuver, and yet you are you are wise to the fandom here. You don't think this is going to be as fun. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> I mean, this isn't me being cynical. This is me knowing the Zelda fandom, and, I mean, they are akin to Star Wars fans. They're nuts. <laughs> the, new Zelda, the new Zelda video game came out. Uh, mm-hmm. James Stephanie Sterling is a video game reviewer. He does a great job on YouTube, and I've been watching his stuff for years. Um, he just had a whole video uh, dedicated to the Zelda fandom not that long ago because he dared to give the, the la- latest Zelda game like a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10. Huh. And he was dealing with hate comments and death threats because it wasn't a 10 out of 10. So there, like this is apologism crazy. at its height? Or this is... What do you mean apologism? Well, when you're an apologist for somebody, you defend them no matter what. That's what you said seemingly there. Like this fan base will just eat up anything Zelda. So if, if it's apologism at its height, wouldn't they just love this movie no matter what and hate anybody think, who hates it? Or I, Well, no, because they're, they're finicky. Like, oh. they, they all hate it for their own. If it's not perfect, it's bad. You know, that, you know, don't like perfection be the enemy of good. Well, this, this is the perfect example of but that. But they think but, every Zelda game is perfection? Correct. Oh, Except it's not. So if it's not the game made into a movie, and if it's not done, and if it's not done in the way in which they think it should be done, if it's not held up to their standards of the game, like I think you can get away with the first Zelda game being or first Zelda movie, relatively unscathed because there's a pretty straightforward story to tell. Mm -hmm. Save the princess, fight Ganon, fight the big bad. If they do any sequels or anything, I mean, first of all, you won't get away unscathed. That's wishful thinking. But like going on from there, it's just going to be nitpicked to death. Wow. It's going to be un the internet is going to be more unfun because of Zelda movies. <laughs> this is scary. This is really scary. Uh Yeah, I thought I thought this was going to be a nice easy layup. I had no idea. I had no idea about the It'll make money. The first one certainly will make money. Everyone's going to I mean it's okay. it's a genius move by Universal. Wow. All right, Michael, we'll keep going with some industry news now in the term uh, or in the the way of uh, of awards with the Tony winners, we had Sean Hayes and Jody Comer 
win the Best Actor and Actress uh, in a Play Awards. Those are like the two big names of the night, even though mm-hmm. Ariana DeBose, of course, is is hosting. And and uh, it was really cool to, to, to have uh, the reviews for her uh, be, be very strong. But what was more cool about the Tonys is how refreshingly progressive they've remained uh, by yeah. many accounts. Uh, Off-Broadway plays have built audiences become hits and and certainly become hits as a result of the the tony's awards attention uh and they continue to have a lot of success on this show kimberly akimbo the big winner on the night with five tonys uh the most of any that that was described by scott feinberg as this grassroots effort uh so you, you like we think of we think of Broadway as a lot of, you know, TV remakes or movie remakes, and Some Like It Hot had a big winner. I mean, we had history being made with Jay Harrison Gee of Some Like It Hot and Alex Newell of Shucked becoming the first non-binary actors to to win uh, at the Tonys and Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor in a musical category. So, like, we're certainly happy in many ways, but what's cool is that there seems to be a lot of, uh, you know, little engine that could stories with the Tonys, right? You know what the Tonys do, right? is they know how to make viral moments hmm. and the way you make viral moments is just giving open mics to you famous slap people. okay sorry I, yeah, that no. was a delay <laughs> that's that's second the... yeah Damn. yeah if you can't if you can't accost <laughs> physically a stand up comedian you misread a d level joke yeah okay. um, no they like the oscars are, are they try to manufacture viral moments, and you can't, it's not you can't do that anymore. That's not how it works. It like, works once in a while with right. Glenn Close or Meryl Streep. <laughs> right. With those Maybe. two, it'll yeah. I mean, debut or the sel- Meryl, Meryl Streep right. in a selfie, or Glenn Close shaking exactly. a booty. We're talking about two times over the last what ten years now, but like the Tonys, you just give famous people a hot mic, mm-hmm. let them be hardcore liberals. And talk about how Ron DeSantis is the Grand Wizard, oh, or God. talk about how I'm now I'm now uh, I was called the F slur because I was gay my entire life. Well, now I'm an F slur with a Tony Award. Oh. Like, just <laughs> these are the moments that go viral, and this is what draws eyes to your product. At least, if not during the live broadcast, then at least afterwards on social media, and it works. I, just give famous people hot mics, let them go. That's good. That's good to hear. So, yeah, I'm in New York during this, not at the Tonys. I'm watching one screen. Swell one. Swell was in person. That was cool to hear. That was cool to hear. I, I, you know, I'm I'm at Starbucks or two, and there was a girl that looked like her, and I almost left Starbucks (laughs) like Amanda. (laughs) No, it wasn't her. Like we never met in person, but she's you know she's from California. Uh, That would have been weird. It was just some random guy. He's just old, basically turtle. If it was a dude, turtle from Entourage (laughs) chasing poor Amanda down the street. His tiny twenty-three-year-old. What would I say? Oh, it's it's also Mike. Stupid pseudonym, Mike. Yeah, you could have said hi. Well, I didn't (laughs) see her. I wasn't her. I know, but I'm saying like you're 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 bashing yourself. Like what would I have said? Yeah, I know. Past lives has changed. (laughs) I am the person you have talked to for countless hours already. (laughs) Yeah. How retrospective works in my life. Plus, you know, and this is the second time she's coming up today. But, yeah, Elemental and how badly you guys gave it to me on Elemental. Well, that was a terrible take. (laughs) I'm I'm rattled. I'm rattled. (laughs) Sorry. That was was an all-time, this Pixar movie should fuck is a hell of a take for you. (laughs) If, you know? 
if your principal character I'm worried literally about cannot have sex, what I'm is worried, the point of a romance? I'm worried that this children's movie won't have enough penetration for my liking. Was basically your stance. It had more penetration than I thought it would. Even though he had no, absolutely no. Anyway. <laughs> He had no penis. Back to the lab, no penis. Penetration. Waterman, no penis. Lab. Michael. Um, That's the 2017 yeah, best picture. Like another. Too. So multiple swell references. You, you multiple, could have just. You could have just described the shape of water there. Glenn Howerton references. Multiple mm-hmm. references to the most highly contested episodes of our past today. <laughs> we are humming. We are cooking with dynamite. Uh, last thing I want to say about the Tonys is, you know, we're in a, we're in a place where I think the conversation is 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 ongoing about changing the categorization of these awards and, and making them non-gendered i mean it's going to be a process for figuring that out i wish that's the Oscars... coming isn't it don't you think it's coming we've been saying it's been coming for years michael we know it's coming and it should come i mean that they, they have to figure out how to do it properly i but... wonder what the resistance in the academy will be to that because there's going to be a decent amount long-standing tradition is probably the biggest thing right because you could you would no longer be able to i mean for us as his, historians that's probably that's like the one thing I cling to. It's like, well, I, I want to talk about I do the history like seeing, yeah, yeah, of this I, I category, do, right? That's and, the argument. I do like seeing. You know, I can. It makes my argument for best actor more juicy because I have years of. I understand what your point is. I just can't articulate it. Yeah, but I mean, who, let's move on. on microphone. Let's move on though. Let's move on. Let's move into the future. And this is the future in terms of not genderizing these awards you know that we saw we saw a lot of changes in categories past where like original screenplay went back and forth and obviously mm-hmm. production design is at how many you know iterations art direction production design and sound as two categories one category and we, I could already hear Ben Shapiro's whining oh voice well, come in my on head. we don't want to listen to him the failed screenwriters talking anyway well that's the half of that's going on now too but sorry that's what he is. he's a failed screenwriter that's it's, it's, that's that's what half of those freaking loud mouths on the far right are yeah well that's what half movies. of this podcast is too but i mean no that's but it's i mean are you, you this have is my for, success you have a love for the industry and <laughs> he is yeah, yeah not well all right let's review a trailer and get out of here poor things so your ghost lanthimos uh, next movie Emma Stone's character of Bella Bax, mm-hmm. basically Frankenstein back to life here by Willem Dafoe's mad scientist character. Why does uh, he have scars? Her brain is coming online in a way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they explain it a little later. I will talk about it. But she's hopping around instead of walking. She's slapping and throwing things at both Rami Yusuf and Mark Ruffalo on several occasions. And she's seemingly having all of these adventures coming, quote unquote, back to her life or coming to, into this new life, Michael. This was not the trailer I expected, but you kind of liked it, it sounds. Well, I don't know if I liked it, but it's I mean, this is the year 2023 seems to be the year everyone's going Wes Anderson. So who else is going Wes Anderson? I read I read this. I was like, who, you know, what? So Wes Anderson was was this the the first trailer of 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 uh, poor things here? The one we said this looks like it's going Wes Anderson. Was that a different movie? No, that's it was just this. All right. So it's your ghost going Wes Anderson. Your ghost. I take that back. Wes Anderson. Okay. All right. Um, But two, two is, you know, I mean, for if for a hot take killjoy like me. 
<laughs> uh, that 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 did not fall well for you, but for you know normal people, they could they could say a lot of people have gone Wes Anderson. They should go Wes Anderson. He's Wes Anderson. He's been well. This is Wes Anderson vibes, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You, just you need... don't think Emma Stone has Oscar's legs on this performance? Just on this trailer? It's a bizarre performance. Very. She's like clicking and clucking, and 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 then she's like doing theater camp exercises like i don't know what's happening and then she's macking it with mark ruffalo which was feeding ducks uh, that, that, that was funny like mark ruffalo yelling instead of stella bella <laughs> that was funny like is this a comedy like what the hell am i watching here it has to be a comedy there has to be it cannot be a serious movie he without. has been as funny as some of the news stories in this episode michael so <laughs> Yorgos Lanthimos, not a comedian. Is this gonna be? Is this gonna be Ari Aster levels of funny? Like Ari Aster thought he was funny and Bo was afraid. I think he wanted mm, to make a mm. deeply dark comedy. Good point. Is that what Yorgos is trying to do here? That could be a problem. And that September release date, might I remind you, is yeah, something that you're suspicious good point. of. Good point. Good points all around by you, and not a great soundtrack or score to this trailer either. It's just your your local church organist that fell asleep on the keys. And what's with the fake British accents? I knew, what what is that? I don't know. I honestly don't know what to expect here. I don't know if I want to love this or. Lo- I mean, obviously the production design, the costumes are gorgeous. I want to like this movie. I love Yorgos Lanthimos films. I love Emma Stone. Weird though. Weird. This has. A, I didn't even know this was a September release, huh? Oh yeah! Now you change your tune, yeah, because of something you boxed yourself into off. saying again. No, I—it's not—it's not that I boxed myself in. It's that I've—it's ingrained in me as fact now. It's like, oh, yeah. September? No, fuck that. <laughs> this movie. Stinks. Here's something though. It—it's rumored for the Venice Film Festival, which of okay. course we know is just a hit maker of, of <laughs> zero problems, uh, mm-hmm. problematic films of the past. Right. But look, I mean, we got a lot of movies rumored for Venice right now. The friggin' Hollywood Reporter, I clicked on this episode, or this uh, piece with Glee, and then it's like every movie coming out this fall is mentioned as perhaps going to Venice. <laughs> I'm like, what no. good was that? All right. I mean, Challengers, we kind of know the Luca Guadagnino, Italian filmmaker. Apparently he's going. I, I would guess a couple Netflix films go, like Nyad or, I don't know, uh, the, 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 whatchamacallit, uh, the maestro excuse me bradley cooper yeah something netflix is going to be there uh maybe apple keeps the film festival life going with napoleon the the big name that i found here megalopolis the coppola movie with adam driver if that comes out this year and i mean that that is going to be a shit show no that'll be this year's venice shit show whether it's good or not i mean people are just going to be dying to know what it is that movie can't come out ever he financed it I know. With, like, all of his own money. I know. I know. It's mayhem. <laughs> what a wild man. Mr. Coppola it's been, it's been, like, gestating for 50 years. Unbelievable. How do you live, Miyazaki, though? Do you know if you type in Megalopolis in the IMDb, you know who the first name attached to it is in, this, in the IMDb search bar? No, who is it? Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> well, of course. His, his nephew. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Jason Schwartzman's voice was perfect as the spot 
in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So yes. I'm, I'm Rudy. I can't wait to see Asteroid City. I know we're both big fans, so we'll mm-hmm. review that uh, as we head into July for sure. Before that, we'll review Past Lives. I don't know if we're reviewing The Flash in the next episode. I know your skin is crawling about that, uh, but yeah, it it's getting rave reviews, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll review it in some way, shape, or form soon. Maybe but I'll yeah. just review it and just talk negatively about it. I can't believe they brought Ezra Miller to the red carpet for that, for the premiere. Yeah. He gave a speech. It's just, everything makes me just it's so bizarre. It, it's, it's They gave a speech. I'm sorry, not he. They gave a speech. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird situation. It's not good. It's a, it's not a good situation, and yet the movie's getting rave reviews. The Flash. I know it's a good story. I've been saying this for months. Like I know. I, it, it, it's I know. a freaking good story. We're probably going to like it. Michael Shannon needs to do more interviews. It's just his New York self, too. Michael Shannon's a big dude. I'm standing next to him at Tribeca. That is a big man. Yeah. He, he, he's wide-shouldered. Well, he's odd. That I did not expect him to be so big. Like he towers over me. I'm not. I'm not a tall man. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up. You got to train to catch guys. As always, what matters most to us are your thoughts uh, about anything we said in this episode, or as well as anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MMS and Oscar on Twitter at MM and Oscar is how a normal speaking person would say that. That's our account on Twitter. Uh, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely thank you to everyone who has done so thus far uh michael you've kind of teased what might be coming next from us let's have some words of wisdom to end on oh i got a couple it's wise to uh standing ovate for only 30 to 45 seconds i appreciate you tribeca i appreciate you tribeca i'll go back and do the same uh it is uh it is wise to vacillate from the giddy and fun to the heartbreaking and soul-crushing uh several times throughout this episode and and i know and this is how i know uh it's wise because you're still listening to me for some reason because you must have liked it just yeah Yeah. i mean you guys went on this emotional roller coaster with us and i appreciate you and um yeah more to come i'm sure but yeah we're going to review a bunch of movies we're going to have some specials we got some guests that want to come on and uh yeah scott and i hopefully will uh get our tribeca episode done for you guys early next week and uh yeah i look forward to that that'll be That'll be coming uh, as well. I, I saw seven movies. He saw, I think, a dozen. I'll probably see another movie or two online or something over the weekend. And, yeah, we'll have a lot to review. There you go. Uh, guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can try Becca with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.